Welcome to the Never Too Much podcast by Scaramanga Agency. At Scaramanga, our purpose is to make marketing accessible and inclusive so that brands can positively and effectively communicate with everyone who engages with them. When we talk about accessibility and inclusivity, there's a lot to learn, which can feel overwhelming when you're starting to look into it and you may just not know where to start. In this podcast, you'll get to hear a conversation that I had with accessibility expert Lily Deadman about online accessibility, why it's important, and what should be considered when trying to make your website accessible. Enjoy. So good afternoon, Lily. Hello. Hello. So before we jump into the conversation, um, Lily, you've done a lot of talks and presentations on disabilities and digital accessibility, but for anyone listening, why is that so important to you? Um, well, first of all, I am disabled. Um, I'm deaf and I have some physical health problems as well. And um, all throughout my life, it's always been kind of, oh, well, you know, it's all right. They've done some things or, um, you know, people don't make things accessible and they deliberately say, well, this isn't for you. It's for people who can hear or people who can, you know, walk around. Um, and I think in this day and age, especially since the pandemic, it's really, really important to be inclusive and to make sure that everything is accessible to everybody. Because, you know, we've got an ageing population, we've got many, many people who are gaining disabilities, and we need to make sure that they can um, access whatever they need to access, and I think it's incredibly important. Yeah. I mean, when as we're kind of moving into this new approach as an agency, one stat that kind of really stood out to us was um, that in the top 1 million websites, only 2% of those actually offer full accessibility which for 2022 standards and i'm not sure how you feel about this but it feels quite as a world we're going we're, we're moving quite slowly towards something that's actually quite a major issue uh on this web accessibility journey yeah it was actually only recently that um the government and council websites had to be accessible according mm-hmm. to government rules um and i think that's quite poor as well because it's you know if you're a council you're supposed to be catering to all your um constituents I don't know if they're constituents for councils but you know all the people that live in that area they need to be able to access the websites especially if you're thinking you know there are people who um, are incredibly poor or have never accessed computers before it's like how are they supposed to be able to navigate an incredibly complex website and that's not even just a disability issue that's just a general accessibility issue so I think as soon as you fix accessibility you know everything else follows. Mm. And when I was looking into this a bit more Google, for example, I mean, we know how Google does their special like days and weeks every now and then on their homepage. Um, mm-hmm. But now I was looking into it and a lot of those aren't actually accessible with sometimes the colouring they use, the sounds they use. And that's quite alarming that the front page of essentially the Internet isn't <laughs> even complying with accessibility standards. No, you are right. But have you tried tapping through Google? You're just doing keyboard only. A keyboard only, yeah. Yeah, so if you do that, actually, Google's pretty accessible. They just, they maybe need to kind of think about it consistently. But I think, yeah. um, even with kind of how they've updated their SEO standards stuff, it always, it usually includes accessibility now. Like you use alt text for images, but not the keyword stuffing for actual image descriptions and that kind of thing. So I do think we are moving towards being more accessible. It's just, it's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. And yeah, well, I mean, hopefully, we'll look back in a few years time and be quite happy with how far we've come. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned about that keyboard difference with Google, because in terms of the online space, 
what are some of the everyday experiences you find that websites tend to forget or don't realize when it comes to making their website accessible? So I think um, people are quite good now with doing, you know, their SEO and making sure that everything's kind of formatted in a similar way. You know, there's general kind of only a few templates on the Internet that you see. But I find that one of the biggest problems is that people use um, external plugins mm. as a replacement for accessibility. So they'll do like read aloud or I don't I don't know what the companies are called, but essentially they end up covering up your content and the people who need to use things like reading things aloud already have screen readers or extensions on their Google and or whatever browser they're using. And um, it ends up just getting in the way and it actually is a data um, risk because they quite often sell your data that you're inputting. And it's just, so I find that that's quite frustrating that they think that they don't have to make their kind of general infrastructure accessible. They just kind of add in an extra thing as an afterthought and go, then it's accessible now. But it's not accessible if you've got a screen reader thing and it doesn't, you don't have image descriptions or you've got people who are colorblind and are trying to read your page, but actually you've got kind of a, like a weird gray font on a also gray background and you can't quite see the difference. Or even just kind of like really simple things like people quite often use serif fonts um, and then forget that, you know, there's dyslexic people who can't necessarily read that or your font's too small and you can't zoom in. It just ends up you having to scroll across the page, which takes hours. And it's just, mm. you know, with a, now that we're all mobile first and we should be, like, making everything really easy for people to read. I'm not saying you have to, like, have, <laughs> you know, um, one sentence on your screen, but it's kind of you've got to think about how people are using it, like, if I'm on my phone, for instance, so if I don't have any visual impairment, I should be able to zoom in and not have to, like, scroll across. I should yeah. be able to have it fit the screen and for it to be easy for me to look at. Or I should be able to just navigate the website easily and understand what every single term means, you know, because a lot of people like to use a lot of jargon or kind of industry specific. Um, and I've mentioned councils a lot. I've worked a lot on a lot of council websites, but they have this tendency to use very council specific terminology that you don't necessarily use outside of that yeah. and it's it gets quite frustrating because unless you work in the council or um unless you understand it you're not going to ever find what it is that you need and you know it's supposed to work for the people yeah um but yeah i think when you get kind of affronted by all of the colors and the lack of contrast and the information and videos that automatically start playing and uh the lack of captions and just generally, it's quite overwhelming. Um, and I think I described it once because I'm autistic as well. So um, sensory input can be quite difficult for me. Um, I once described it as it feels like you've got bees buzzing around your head while you're in the like, scorching sun on holiday on the beach when you've got sand in between your toes and in your underwear and you're deeply uncomfortable. And then there's some like random old sunburned man screaming in your face. That's what it feels like when it's kind of like all going on and you're just like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like it's usually like a mixture of everything going wrong all at once. That means mm. that people kind of click off or you, that's why exit rates are so high and stuff. And then you end up losing a lot of money because uh, disabled people have a lot of spending power. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that literally brings me on to my next question, because I was about to ask you, has there been any kind of personal experiences where you've wanted to use a website or a service? whichever reason and their website's just so bad it's just not really usable and you just have to either not even bother with them or have to go out your way to find a solution 
Yeah, actually. So um, Amazon is one of the most successful websites for me because, mm. um, you know, it's easy. You prefer something and it's right there and it's quite cheap and it comes the next day or whatever. Um, and I often try and support local businesses and try and kind of spend my money in good places because, you know, I'm a bit of a leftist. <laughs> we don't really support Amazon. But the thing is that quite often... I go onto a website that's got like leggings or, you know, a stuffed toy that I might want or some toy for my baby or whatever. And then it's kind of impossible to kind of get to the basket. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. And then it's like, oh, well, now we've got to convert from US currency to UK currency. And then you have to get extra charges. And then um, it's like the complication of the postage on top of that and then you end up just being really confused and feel like you're getting ripped off and the thing is, is if you have an intellectual disability that's going to be even harder because you don't know if that's right or if it's a scam because how many times are you told oh you've got to be really careful on the internet like people are scamming you and you're like well I just wanted a pair of leggings because I don't really understand what else is going on why are you doing this? Why do I have to go for 15 steps just to buy some leggings? I think I'll just go on Amazon or go to my local shops or whatever. Um, but yeah, so it is, yeah, I found a lot of, like, well, I've got to, finally got to the basket. I'm going, oh, I'll just give up. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you mentioned as well, actually, how, you know, disabled people, they have a lot of, you know, power when it comes to spending and influencing. And I mean, mm-hmm. one of the more recent stats I came across was that over 360,000 people in the UK are registered as blind or partially sighted. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of potential customers. That, you know, if you present that to any business, they would happily w- welcome you through their doors. But actually going out the way to be accessible for it, you know, they're not always the best. But I mean, when it comes to visual impairments, what are the main things that a business should ensure their websites comply with or they should have added to it to help? Yeah, so um, lots of different, it depends on the level of visual impairment. So there are some people, so I know a couple of blind people, and some of them use magnifiers, which is kind of the same issue that I uh, mentioned earlier about when you're zooming in and then you end up having to scroll across the page rather than it fitting your page and you're just going down. Um, so when they're using magnifiers, often um, if you can't do that, then it's, it's very difficult to, like, stay on track of where you're going or what you're looking at um I also know that some people have kind of issues where they can see a a tiny bit like they can see color but then you've got contrasting colors and then that's overstimulating and that hurts their eyes um and you know if you have to wear sunglasses to look at somebody's website you know you've done something wrong yeah um and then there's other people who use screen readers um and so they're often kind of keyboard only because if you're using a screen reader and you can't see the screen then you're not going to use a mouse because you don't know where your mouse is um and there's a lot of times where you get into the footer and you get trapped um so you're using the tab button to go to the next button and then it just goes back to the beginning of the footer and not to the top of the page yeah. and then you end up kind of in that kind of cycle and then you end up having to come off the page or because you can't see where else you can go so it's impossible to know what to do um and you find that kind of like it's seo basics you know when you don't put a header title it or number in so you, you don't have your h1s and your h2s and whatever um what a lot of people do is sighted people when you're skim reading a page to see if it's got the information that you want um, you can use a screen reader in the same way where you just read the titles and then you see which section it is that you want to read. 
But if you've just got it all set up as a paragraph, then you can't skip between the titles, but then yeah. you end up having to read the whole page. And nobody has time for that. Like, you know, whether you're blind or not, you just don't have time for that. Nobody has the attention span. So it's kind of really basic things that should be normal and should be already done because it's already an SEO standard. So it's kind of like you have to invest in your SEO and your accessibility at the same time because they're generally quite interlinked. Um, But yeah, those are the things that my uh, blind friends have kind of complained about, but I don't profess to be an expert in blindness. No, of course not. But I mean, obviously one thing you can be an expert in is in terms of the hearing impairment. Um, Hmm. And I kind of have the same question in terms of what's the biggest things that just the modern day website just kind of tends to forget for hearing impairments and what can brands do to kind of make their website accessible for people who might, might be deaf? Yeah, so um, my biggest pet peeve is those videos you see on Facebook that have um, subtitles for the first minute and yeah. then none for the rest of the video. And I'm like, well, I didn't just suddenly gain hearing after a minute of your video, you know? A miracle did not occur. <laughs> so I, I find that really frustrating because, you know, that's the bit where you get invested. And then as soon as they take away that access, because I don't know if they're saving money or they're just trying to hook people in and then make them turn their sounds up. But it's like at some point, <laughs> you know, some people can't just turn the sound up and then hear it. Um, so that that's kind of my biggest pet peeve. But people also do um, kind of have been their videos autoplay and the thing is I can't always hear that the videos autoplaying and I'll be in public and you know <laughs> other people are looking at me and getting angry with me because I'm disturbing their peace and I'm just there like having the time of my life not knowing that um you know videos playing so I think that's quite frustrating um because it's just I know that it's meant to be kind of like in your face nobody actually watches those and go hmm do you know what thank you for disturbing me I'm going to now buy your product nobody does that people yeah. don't like to have adverts in their face you know as a marketing professional yeah. as well <laughs> I'm just gonna say put that out there <laughs> um but yeah mostly it's kind of and the other thing that annoys me is when um deaf people are quite infantilized so what I mean by that is that you, what you end up is if they've got captions they end up putting asterisks in front of the swear words, but then they don't do that for the actual, like they don't beat it out for the yeah. hearing people. So it's like deaf people are so offended by swear words. <laughs> You're like, we're all adults. Like, well, not all deaf people are adults, obviously, but it's like the people, your target audience is adults if they're yeah. swearing it. So, and if the hearing people get to hear the swearing, then it's right out for the deaf people. We don't want to sit there. We're kind of trying to work out which swear word it is. Because <laughs> it's like we don't, we're not going to sit there being like, oh my gosh, I'm disabled, and now you've sworn at me. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work like that. But yeah, yeah. it's it, yeah, it does get quite um, frustrating. Or when they, um, you probably have this when things are dubbed, um, and you've got, you know, that they've said something, but then the subtitles are different, and yeah. that really annoys yeah. me. <laughs> You're just there, yeah. like, but why didn't you just? Put the words that they actually said there rather than putting some other words because now I'm confused because my hearing is like I wear hearing so I can hear the TV a little bit but um, I have to have it really loud in order to catch every word so then I will be like reading the subtitles and be like they didn't say that 
that though? And then I have to say to my partner, what did they really say? Because it can change the whole meaning of what they're saying, can't it? it can, like, you change yeah. up the words. But yeah, so it's dangerous. I've got off no, my I'm, I'm glad soapbox you a bit there. No, I'm definitely glad you said that because sometimes when I'm watching YouTube, I do just turn on the captions because sometimes I, it's, sometimes it's not clear to hear them. And sometimes mm. I see the caption, I'm like, that's not what you've just said. But now this has changed the entire meaning of what the sentence was now meant to say. So no, I yeah. definitely do relate to that as well. I've definitely seen that. Um, but that kind of also brings us to my next point about, do you think there's a lot of pressure in this space for people and brands who attempt to be accessible to have to get it right straight away? No, I think um, a lot of people are quite understanding. When you see on, so I'm, I interact quite a lot with disability Twitter. And the thing is, is that people are very understanding that, you know, there could be a disabled person behind the scenes trying to make these things accessible. We're not sitting there going, oh, my God, you've got all of this money and all of these resources. You've got to make sure it's 100% accessible every time. Um, but the thing that disabled people quite often expect is if, if we've, spent our time and energy saying, pointing it out, saying, do you know what, could you put some captions on this stuff, you know, I can't hear, and kind of pointing it out and then gently educating people. Quite often we put links in for, like, resources to help them uh, kind of make it easier for them. Because we know what it's like to be on the other side where we're trying to make things accessible, but our own disabilities prevent it from being easy. So um, quite often people are quite gentle, but then what ends up happening is that the brand either do it for the one video and then don't continue, or they say, oh, it's too much money, we can't be bothered. But it's like they've had a £500,000 marketing budget. <laughs> you yeah. know, you could have allocated some of that to accessibility, or when it's the larger companies that just flat out ignore you, and that's when it gets frustrating. So I think a lot of people have seen disabled people is quite angry um but it's the same with any kind of campaign if you see a feminist they're angry you know women and if you see people who are anti-racist it's like oh well they're just you know angry black people or brown people or whatever and you're just like well the reason we're angry is because we're constantly ignored so i think um yeah nobody thinks that people get it right the first time because the thing is that disabled creators quite often don't get it right the first time either or the second or third um and i think as long as there's an effort to be made and as long as there's acknowledgement that you're not going to get it right all the time and as long as you take on board the feedback and thank the people that are taking time out of their day and their energy which can be very limited to tell you and care enough about your brand and your company to inform you that you're not reaching your entire audience um then nobody's going to be like oh my god you should have done it the first time I think people are going to be very grateful that you've kind of taken that advice on board um and that you're going to improve things going on going forward so yeah I'm like <laughs> I mean there are some really really angry disabled people but <laughs> but then most of us are very gentle and kind of educational yeah I mean some some businesses or some websites they may feel quite hesitant to start their accessibility journey because of those very small portion of people who do get, you know, very angry and very selective. You know, if you don't get it right first time, we're going to try and gun you down. But realistically, it's, it's a journey. It's a learning journey. You know, no one's going to yeah, get it right yeah. first time. Um, and you're not going to get it right overnight either, for example. No, no not at all. Okay. I mean, my, my, final, my final question that I wanted to ask is in terms of like a closing thought, if there was a business that was about to start the website, they want to make it accessible, but they're kind of on the fence about doing it. 
what would you say to them to make them actually, you know, go over the line and actually go ahead with making their website accessible? Um, I suppose there's kind of a couple of ways of looking at it. I suppose, first of all, retroactively making your website accessible is a hell of a lot more expensive <laughs> than making it accessible from the start. So if you're on the fence, you probably should just try and make it accessible. Like, and the thing is, is that I think people see it as a ginormous task. And I don't, I don't think it is personally. Um, and it's just kind of trying to understand how different disabilities might impact people. And the thing is, is that no matter how closely you follow the WCAG guidelines, how many disabled people that you talk to, it's not going to be accessible for every single person. And the aim isn't to make it accessible to every single person. That's impossible. Your aim is to make it as accessible as you can with the budget and the time that you have. So um, if you're putting images on your website, just add an alt text into it. If you're doing it from the very beginning, it's a lot easier when you've only got a few pictures than when you're 10 years down the line and you've got thousands of pictures and you're trying to sit there thinking of the image description for them. You can't, that is a very daunting task. Um, and, you know, um, kind of putting captions on your videos, you're not making most companies are not making that many videos that it takes a long time to do it. But if you then wait until you've got 30 videos that you're doing that half an hour each, that again is going to be a really daunting task. And the thing is, is you will eventually have to do it. Yeah. Um, it's not kind of like, oh, well, if we just ignore this, it will just go away. More and more people are going to be disabled and more and more money is going to be you know, with disabled people because, you know, not to be depressing, but more people are getting long COVID and having issues with their health and long-term health issues, which is disabilities. We've got an aging population, um, so more people are losing their sight, their hearing, their mobility, um, and those people are no longer kind of just n- n- not on the internet. Most old people, like my grandparents, have an iPad and um, MacBooks and that kind of thing, and they they have the technology and they want to be involved, and that's where they socialise. So it's kind of like it's it's no longer oh well you know old people won't go on our website oh disabled people won't go on our website we do and we notice when things aren't accessible so it's kind of try and and the thing is is that a lot of it doesn't have to be done by an expert a lot of it can be done and there's a lot of people on YouTube who will explain how to do it properly and uh, there's a lot of free tools where you, where you can like um, have a look at your website and see if it's accessible and um, there's a lot of tools as well and um, we can kind of see in um, quotation marks uh, how other people are viewing your website so there's um, kind of there's an ADHD one which is brilliant um, and they put kind of like cartoons in front of you um, in front of the page and kind of very distracting things um, and kind of it's meant to show kind of like the busyness of an ADHD brain um, and then whether or not your website can be focused on despite all of the stuff going on in their brain um, you know, and you can see it in like different color blindness levels and all of that kind of thing. So it's, it's not that there aren't the resources. You just have to look for them. Um, and I think it's, it is okay to kind of ask people, like crowdsource the information. If you, if you're on a really, really low budget, you might not be able to afford a disabled person to look at your website, even though that would be the ideal. I know I'm saying this as a disabled person who does accessibility audits, but, um, there is a lot of resources made by disabled people. There's a lot of um, kind of 
workshops and webinars that you can go to. There's there's so much many resources out there that it's kind of hard not to make it accessible. If that makes sense, like if you're making it inaccessible, then it feels a bit deliberate at this point. Yeah, I mean, thank you. That that was a really insightful chat, and I hope people who are listening as well they can now kind of go away from this learning more about just you know from the personal experience of someone who actually does suffer from this um and also some of the brands out there who may be on the fence can now kind of make their mind up hopefully and i realize that it's the right thing to do and I, I think that um point that you made about you know you're gonna have to do it eventually it's just gonna become harder and more expensive the longer you wait to actually do it i think that's going to be a really important point for a lot of businesses going forward as well um yeah. And if anyone would like to kind of, you know, get in contact with you, talk to you, how can anyone do that? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't, don't think there's very many Lily Redmonds on LinkedIn, but I'm the one with accessibility in my <laughs> description. Yeah, so people should be able to find you relatively easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast, Lily. It was a wonderful chat. And yeah, I hope to see the space for accessibility get healthier and improve over the next few years. Thank you for having me. Thank you.